Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2391. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Redondo, California, back to my SoCal roots, with a very special guest by the name of Alec Carlson. Alec, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Excellent. I'm ready to release the clutch. All right. We'll have some fun. Now, since you're old school guy and you're into old school cars, uh, releasing the clutch and laying down some rubber is uh, probably not foreign to you. Definitely not to your great uncles who we're going to be talking about here. But before we dive into the world that you're living in and this dream you're continuing with your family, what's one little thing or maybe something unique about you, Alec? Probably the fact that, well, don't want to go out on a limb and make any assumptions <laughs> about myself or the culture as a whole, but I, I am one of the younger ones out here keeping this traditional hot rod idea and culture alive and doing it the way that it used to be done. And oddly enough, I found that it really is in the blood because this is not where my passion for cars started. That passion for vehicles started actually with Volkswagens. Ah, well, that makes sense for Southern California. That's where mine started. My first, what I call my cool car, was a 67 Carmen Ghia that I bought and promptly ripped all apart and restored and painted and built up the engine and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, VW is down in uh, Southern California. Are they still kind of a thing? Is it still come, coming along there? Oh, very much so. There's a very large VW culture down here. Lots of magazines and shows, Volkswagen racing. And if you live in a beach community like I do, you cannot go a day without seeing at least five sitting around driving parked, what have you. <laughs> well, cool. Well, they made a lot of those cars and they're fairly simple to work on. At least for me, when I was in high school, I didn't have a lot of technical prowess or mechanical knowledge. I bought that great book Let's see, what was that called? The VW Repair Guide for Complete Idiots? Oh, yeah. Which was a good title. I still have it. And it's full of uh, fingerprints from greasy fingerprints. And I figured out how to do uh, pretty much everything to that car with that book. That was a great book. I think they did a good job. It's the Volkswagen Bible, so to speak. Yep, still is. Yeah, it brings back memories every time I thumb through it. Well, let me introduce you and we'll dive into this world of uh, keeping the culture alive, which I think is so cool. Alec Harrell is the owner of Harrell Engines Los Angeles and at a young 27 years old, He's a fourth-generation member to carry on the family business. His great-uncles, Jim and Nick Harrell, started Harrell Engine LA in 1932 in the heart of Los Angeles. Wow, that was the year my dad was born. They went on to win many accolades in land speed and drag racing in the SoCal hot rod scene. And by 1946, the brothers developed their own in-house brand of high-performance cylinder heads and intake manifolds for flathead Ford V8s. Today, Alec carries on the tradition building nostalgia style hot rods among the other classic car restoration services in addition to bringing back the old family speed parts this is so cool he started his career at the age of 10 working for a classic car museum near his hometown of hermosa beach california and after 15 years of well let's call it training alex left his position as collections manager to embark on a dream of bringing back the family name in hot rodding. Ah, can't wait to hear more about this. But first, a word from our sponsors. They keep the gas in the tanks here. So give them a little love and we'll be right back. Buckle up. 
Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. So, Alec, this is so cool. And I want to go back in time a little bit to that pivotal moment as you were working as collections manager and working on cars and learning your craft that you said, you know what, I'm going to go back to my roots. So had you known about the family business your entire life or did you uncover it or how did this all come together? Yeah, so... Interestingly enough, no, I was completely unaware of this. My passion for vehicles quite literally was in the blood. My grandfather was the last in our family, thankfully he's still around, uh, to be involved in the Southern California hot routing scene and interested in cars. But he left that behind in the 50s. He went on to college and got a PhD in political science and had my mother and she became a fourth grade teacher. So it skipped a generation entirely. Cars were not a part of my youth necessarily anyway. Uh, found it all on my own uh, after seeing Herbie Fully Loaded, and I fell in love with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> so we, we went to a lot of Volkswagen shows, and I, I fully uh, dived into that. Then, around the age of nine and a half or ten, we found this local car museum that uh, had recently opened, and my granddad took me down there, and it opened my eyes to a whole different genre of cars that I found significantly more interesting than Volkswagens. Not to say Volkswagens are not interesting, uh, and a few years into volunteering there, it was mentioned to me by him that we had some racing history, and that opened my eyes yet again to hot rodding, which is something that really stuck with me. And he and I embarked on a research journey for a couple of years, and we ultimately wrote and published two books about our family's racing history. Oh my gosh. Well, how cool is this? You know, something interesting that I've thought about a lot more of late in the fact that our parents in particular, but also our grandparents, they had this entire life before we came into existence, but we really only know much about them 
in most cases from the time we were born and they were raising us or they were part of our lives. You're very fortunate to have your grandparents around because mine lived in Texas. I lived in San Diego. That was a long ways away and I didn't get to see them much. And uh, when I did, it was like going to another planet, this farmland with horses and cows up in the Texas panhandle. This is really different. So as you uncovered this history of family, I mean, it must have been like peeling back layers of an onion and it just got richer and richer because my goodness, I mean, what your uncles were doing and your granddad in hot riding, you must have, his, his status in car elevation must have just kept going up and up and up. My gosh, you were a hot rider? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as I kept peeling the uh, so-called onion back, the more happily frustrated I became with the realization, that, how did you neglect to mention this for yeah. years? <laughs> what, what is this? Just casual comment. Um, but it, it really is quite in-depth. And, uh, of course, I learned quite a lot about our racing history and everything else while doing lots of research. And we were very fortunate at the time. A lot of the guys who had raced with his uncles, my great-granduncles, were still around. And a lot of them had original racing records and such. So we were able to visit their homes. We traveled all over the state of California, go through all their timing records. And we had a little mobile scanner and a laptop and we'd take copies of pages and we put together every record we could find of the Herald name out at uh, the Dry Lakes at Muroc and El Mirage. So much in our book, but it's really something to see. Well, we're going to talk about those books in a little bit, but before we do, at what point did the engine business kind of ceased to exist. And then I want to get into how you've developed bringing it back and creating this company for yourself to to carry the name forward. So at what point did it all kind of stop? Did they, like you said, your grandfather went off, got a degree and you know, had a family. I mean, is that kind of how it all ended, if you will? Essentially, yeah. So without boring anybody too much with the deeply rooted history going way back, the business started in 32 um, they had a little gas station in San Pedro at the service center. It was a Rio Grande station, and that ultimately turned into Harrell Engines LA and uh, Jim's Auto Parts uh, up in uh, Main Street near downtown. They were heavily involved in racing, making their engine parts, but largely they were an engine rebuilding service. Uh, the two brothers, Jim Harrell, the older brother, the founder, uh, he continued until his retirement. He had a family. Um, then he ultimately passed away. His brother continued until he needed to retire, and that was sometime in the early 1970s. Um, when he passed away, all of the tools, all of the original molds and patterns for the speed parts, everything got sold at a literal yard sale, and that included all the racing trophies, of which there were plenty. Um, and that that is when Harrell Engines Los Angeles ceased to exist. The Harrell name still appeared in racing. However, their other nephew, my grandfather's brother, Rich Harrell, continued drag racing, but uh, more pro stock uh, type of vehicles. He raced a Barracuda and a Belvedere and some other things up into the 90s. This is so cool. So you came to a point in your life when you said, you know what? I think there's an opportunity here. Having that, not only that, uh, the spirit of hot rodding and building and doing that in your blood, but also a bit of entrepreneurship, I'm thinking. And you took a very bold step. So you decided, I'm going to bring this back. Tell me about that. Yeah, so... You know, as is true of anybody that works in smaller museums, I think we all come to realize at some point that there is a glass ceiling. And once you're there, you either make peace with it or you try to do something else. And I knew I needed to do something else for that reason. And the fact that though I can follow instructions, I am I don't like to. I like to <laughs> my own drum. So I, I've known for years that I'm a better employer than employee. So I decided that with my passion for hot rodding and being so deeply rooted in it and my knowledge of vehicles that I was able to 
accumulate over 15 years at a car museum, I mean, what better place to get a wide range of experience? Um, I felt fairly confident in leaving my position and starting from scratch. And I, I literally did so in my parents' garage behind their house and grew it into the business we have today. Uh, this is very cool. So tell me about this business that you have today. What are the different things and services that you offer? So we advertise that we are early Ford specialists, which of course we are, and that uh, aligns rather perfectly with the family history. But with my slash our knowledge from 15 years in the general car world, we will work on anything. Um, we basically say we prefer it to be American, though it doesn't have to be, but it does have to be pre-smog. So 1975 and older, mm -hmm. we will on. And the total scope of our work completely varies depending on what the customer needs. We are largely a one-stop shop. Uh, we do not do paint and we do not do chrome for environmental licensing reasons. What a pain in California. So we, we leave that to our outsourced uh, trusted individuals, but we will do everything else in-house. Anything from oil changes to full restorations, custom work, you name it. Very cool. I like to ask about inspirational people or mentors. I'm guessing Maybe in a way it was those uncles that were your beginning inspiration, but it sounds like your grandfather was a key mentor in your life when it comes to your business. Am I right there? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And it is mostly equal parts uh, between his uncles and my grandfather himself. My grandfather, in so much as he is responsible for raising me and uh, molding me into the person I am today, uh, I'd let him tell you about what he thinks of his work, but <laughs> I think okay job. So he's very influential, very inspirational to me. I, I couldn't have done anything without him. He's he's the world to me. However, my uncle Nick, the uh, granduncle Nick, mm -hmm. the younger of the two brothers, though I've never had the opportunity to meet him, he passed some decades before I was born. Uh, from stories I hear in his work and the way he operated, I, I, I identify very much so with him. And I, I find his work and dedication and love of the machine to be very much similar to how I operate. So when it came to making this bold decision to start your own business, what would you say has been the biggest challenge? Probably actually knowing how to successfully run a business. Walking into it, I knew how to work on cars, but I wasn't an accountant, you know? Mm. So really setting up business structure, and there's no instruction manual on that, and understanding what licenses and so forth that need to be uh, acquired to do it all above ground and do it the right way uh, was difficult. And uh, especially in Southern California, where the EPA is around oh my every gosh. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was interesting. I mean, particularly due to the fact that I started in a residential area in a garage behind my parents' house. So you know, we had noise problems and, you know, wondering each day is today the day I get caught and shut down. So thankfully, I was able to grow just enough although not without growing pains, and move into a larger facility in a correctly zoned area and uh, really do it the right way. Yeah, well, I, my hat's off to you. That's very difficult because, uh, boy, government entities, the bureaucracies involved, and especially California, and I know that because I was part of a startup in California, and we, we escaped 33, 30 years ago <laughs> oh, yeah. because it just was, we could see the writing on the wall was not going to make it easy. We were manufacturing products and uh, car care products and things, so uh, we had to get out and go somewhere else. But uh, d difficult to do, but not impossible, obviously. And I think about companies like Edelbrock, uh, you know, for in California for so long, but you know, even they left. I think they went to Tennessee. Exactly. Yeah, because uh, they, in fact, I think they were the last company to have a foundry in California that they could run, and it was grandfathered in. But once they 
left. I don't think there's anybody allowed to do that in California anymore. So uh, great challenges, but it can happen. It can be done. And you're an example of that. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your passion for cars. We touched on Volkswagens and hot rods and things, but is there one special vehicle that really stands out for you? Yeah, I think so. And I'll, I'll broaden it a little bit more to maybe two vehicles, but they're cut from the same mold. Uh, the first of which is my own car that I was fortunate enough to be able to build alongside my grandfather starting in high school. It's a 1932 Ford Highboy Roadster built in a... 32, of course. Oh, yeah. A, a vehicle well beyond my budget and his, so it took us six years to get it together, but it, it was from the ground up. We started with nothing and found some frame rails and erected a car from an empty space in the garage. Um, so that that's a very sentimental and special car to he and I and also to the family. We built it to pay respect to everything that our family's done and the hot rod history that they assisted in giving birth to, so to speak. The second of which is an inspirational vehicle to me that unfortunately no longer exists, at least not yet. Um, it was one of our most famous race cars that we had in the mid-1950s. We called it the Red Hot Roadster. And it was a Fire engine red 29 Ford Roadster uh, started out with a flathead. It had belonged to some other famous hot rodders and looked quite different before we got it and completely re-engineered the car. And that little car just dominated at Lions Drag Strip. And it retired in 1959 with a Hemi under its hood. And that Hemi got pulled out of that car and ultimately ended up in the first generation of the Winged Express Fuel Altered, which still exists today in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it is a fairly well-known car. So we're starting the process of building a tribute to that vehicle in our own sense and style. Oh, how fun. This is very cool. I love it. When you get that done, send me some pictures. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So I play a bit of a car psychologist here on Cars, yeah, and I crawl into your head a little bit here. If you were reincarnated, that is, if you were manifest as a vehicle, and this isn't what you want to be, this is how you perceive yourself as some kind of a vehicle. I have a guess that you've got a little bit of old school in you because of this history, but We'll see where we go with this. Yeah. What kind of vehicle would you be and why? You know, that that really does take some interesting thought. And that, that's that's quite a question. <laughs> honestly, it, it, some fashion of a truck, honestly, a, naturally a Ford truck, me being me, cut me open, I bleed Ford blue. <laughs> um, in all honesty, probably a mid-60s bump side square body Ford truck. They've got cool factor. They get the job done. They make it happen. They're pretty solid. I like it. Well, that kind of makes sense. It does make sense for what you're doing with your life. A vehicle that's kind of cool, kind of retro, but gets the job done. And that's all part of building a business. So nicely done. Nicely done. So I like to talk a bit about books because I love books. Uh, They're great reading, great lessons, great fun, great entertainment. Is there a book in your past, could be business or car related, that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. When I was in high school, I mean, I was more preoccupied with playing with cars than being studious, hindsight's <laughs> 2020, perhaps that wasn't the best choice, but it fostered a passion nonetheless. Uh, there was one book written by an author by the name of Henry Gregor Felsen, and the title of the book is Hot Rod. And it was written in the early 1950s, and it tells a fictional but true-to-form story of a high school kid in the early 50s with a little hot rod and his journey with that car and trials and tribulations and social circles. And it's it's a little piece of uh, Americana and Automobilia, and I think it's really an interesting, interesting read. I'm glad you brought that. I don't believe anyone has referenced that book. Now, there's a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books where there's over 3,000 books listed by what I call oh, wow. my inspiring automotive enthusiasts, but I don't think that one has been uh, mentioned before. So I'm glad you brought something new. I'll have to look into that. Is that one of those books that's way out of print? And you got to kind of find it in eBay and bookstores and things, or are they still producing that book? 
You know, I'm not sure. All the copies I have are mostly original. There was a reprint done, I believe, in the 60s or 70s. Those are more accessible. I do have some original copies. But if you were to hop on me, I'm sure they're there. All right. I have three copies myself, I think. Very cool. Love it. So let's go on the Ultimate Drive today. I'm going to provide you with any vehicle in the world. You can take it anywhere you'd like. And here's the cool part. You can take anybody with you if you want to bring back those uh, past uncles of yours and go for a ride with them. I can make that happen. What does the Ultimate Drive look like for you? The Ultimate Drive looks like Lion's Drag Strip in 1956. And being there with my great-granduncles and my grandfather as a teenager uh, and watching the Red Hot Roadster just absolutely annihilate Lion's Drag Strip and set down records. That would be fun. Absolutely. I kind of hoped we'd go back to something like that. Uh, What a magical time that would be for you to talk with your uncles and see that. 1956, man, uh, a lot of cool stuff was happening in Southern California back then when it comes to old race cars and so forth. The old uh, Riverside Raceway was there and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. So I love that idea. You've taken us on a really fun ride today. And I tell you what you're doing and bringing back not only, I think starting your own business is the first thing that to me is is awesome, especially for a young person these days. And doing it the way you're doing it, bringing back this heritage and so forth, is just tremendous. And we hear today about so many people getting into uh, social media things and, you know, influencers and stuff, but you're getting your hands dirty and you're doing this. And the better part, am I right to say that you've got employees or employees? working for you you're providing jobs for people yeah absolutely we got a couple guys right now and we're growing by the day we're about to take on some more and we're inheriting a client list from a a good friend uh who's nearing retirement so we're expanding absolutely that's awesome my hats off to you this is really spectacular if you could leave us with maybe some parting words of wisdom or inspiration from young people that are looking at a 27 year old who's pulling this off and doing it what would they be you know, there's there's a really great quote that I was made aware of when I was probably in fifth grade, and it stuck with me, and it also stuck with my mother, who used to remind me of it frequently, and it's uh, from Henry Ford himself, actually, and that is, whether you think you can or can't, either way, you're right. <laughs> really what it comes down to when you doubt yourself, if you hang on to that, well, you'll prove yourself right, but you're not incapable of learning. Uh, do yourself the favor of giving yourself grace and patience, and, you know, none of us have Uh, a set time limit to accomplish goals. What a waste of life if you don't even try. So you just got to get out there and do it, make it happen. That's one of my favorite quotes in the world. And it's akin to something my dad taught me when I was young, an acronym for FEAR, F-E-A-R, false evidence assumed real, which Mm -hmm. ties back to, well, if you think you can't, you're probably right. But if you think you can, you're probably right. So why not give it a try? That's a great one. How can people learn more about you and follow you uh, when they want to learn about Harrell Engines Los Angeles? Yeah, well, we mostly showcase our work and everything we do on Instagram. Kind of a generational thing, I suppose. That's the way the world works. Everything's on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is Harrell Engines L dot A. L period A. Harrell Engines LA. We also have a little merchandise website where we have some branded t-shirts and some of our parts will eventually become available on that site, which is harrellengines.myshopify.com. I love it. Again, my hat's off to what you're doing. This is so cool. So many neat elements coming together with the story. And I'm really, really excited that you reached out to me to share your story with the Cars Yeah listeners, because it's really what Cars Yeah is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And you definitely are an inspirational automotive enthusiast, Alec. Thank you for being so generous with your time today and sharing so much about your business. I can't wait to 
follow along and watch how you grow. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through Workforce Development Initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!